Welcome to Faith Foundations with the Open the Word podcast. I'm your host, Gwen McCaslin, for this discipleship series. Uh, we are in, jumping into 2 Timothy today. Um, and so I want to review just a little bit the who, what, when, where, and whys of 1 Timothy, and then we'll do 2 Timothy. Um, so First and Second Timothy are written by Paul, and they are written to Timothy specifically. Um, and Timothy was uh, basically like the spiritual son of Paul, um, and so their relationship is incredibly close uh, and incredibly tight. So the what of the these two books is they are both letters to Timothy. Um, where of First Timothy is in Rome. Um, and he's under house arrest at this point still. And then when you get to 2 Timothy, he's had a change in circumstances. Um, He's actually in prison in Rome. Um, And so he is looking, uh, he's not sure how much life he has left uh, when we get to the book of 2 Timothy. So in some ways you get a farewell letter um, with, you know, the the last things you'd want to tell somebody. Um, because he doesn't know how much time is left, but he knows it's precious what he's got. So First Timothy would have been written around 62 to 66 AD somewhere. Um, and the purpose was to remove false doctrine and suggest proper leadership for the church in Ephesus. Okay, so you've got a lot of focus on structure within the church. Which, if you combine that with the book of Ephesians, because this is the same church, okay, you get a better understanding that in the book of Ephesians, Paul was pretty clear on the roles of family and how family's supposed to structure and other things. And so in the book of Ephesians that was written to the church as a whole, um, there was a whole lot of instruction on how to do life, on how to do ministry on how to do a lot of different things. Um, and so chapter five is is where you get a lot of your focus on what the family is supposed to do, marriage, um, what a husband's role is in the home, um, those kinds of things, and how a husband's role specifically mirrors Christ's role with the church. Okay, so that would have been to the book of Ephesians. The letter in First Timothy um, chapter one uh, let's go through your outline. Chapter one is trouble in Ephesus. Uh, chapter two and three is church leadership. Uh, chapter four is what to do with false teachers. Uh, chapter five is discipline. And chapter six would be Paul's advice to Timothy. Um, key verse that they have down is First Timothy 4, 12 and 13. Uh, it says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Set an example for believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to the preaching and teaching. Um, okay, so there's there's First Timothy's overview in a real quick synopsis. Second Timothy, um, we know the who is Paul, the what is a letter to Timothy, the where is prison in Rome, uh, the when is 66 to 67 somewhere. Uh, the why is to encourage Timothy to remain faithful in ministry, even in the midst of intense suffering. Um, and there was a lot of suffering going on. If you look even back to the book of Acts, you'll see why there's such uh, an issue and why Paul specifically mentions certain people. Um, anyway, Okay, so the outline for 2 Timothy, chapter 1 is thanksgiving. Chapter 2 is the call to remain faithful. Chapter 3 is the authority of God's word. 
and chapter three and four is to lead a godly life. Um, the key verse, second Timothy three, 15 through 17 from infancy, you have known the Holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Okay, so that is your theme for 2 Timothy. So let's go ahead and we'll dive in a little bit and outline Timothy uh, or 2 Timothy here and see what we've got. So, you know, every letter in the New Testament is going to start with an intro. Um, and we have that here. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, this would have been pretty standard. Um, Paul is identifying himself, and it's kind of interesting to look at what he puts after his, his name, right? An apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. Can you, I mean, this, you can't you just see this almost being Paul's epitaph, you know? Like, this is what I want to be said of my life. Um, anyway, I just found that interesting. But he calls Timothy his beloved son, which tells us um, just how intense that relationship has ended up being over the years. They've done a lot of suffering together. They've done a lot of relationship and a lot of community. Um and so they've grown very close over the years. And Timothy has been very faithful. Remember, um, Paul's been through some things with John Mark. And, you know, John Mark did come back and redeem. But Timothy is very different in that there really wasn't a moment where he um, walked away from the faith or deserted Paul. Um, and so he is... In the course of his uh, relationship with Paul, he has been entrusted with more and more and more um, uh, domain or, or just, um, I don't know, things that he's been asked to do or entrusted to do. Um, and in some ways, he was sent out from Paul even to do ministry and to pastor and to care for the body of Christ. Okay, moving on. The first thing we've got here is thankfulness in, in our outline. Um, and so chapter one, he is just being thankful. He's expressing his thanks. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers day and night, longing to see you I, even as I recall your tears so that it, I may be filled with joy. Um, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. And so he's reviewing here Timothy's history. Um, which first dwelt in his grandmother Lois and then in his mother Eunice, and now it is in you as well. Um, there's beauty in this. This is a grandmother and a mother whose in, intense faith in the Lord has literally discipled this young man to be who he is. Um, I don't know as a mama if you don't if there is any other be more beautiful passage for me than this one that shows that you know a grandmother and a mother's faith can have this much of an impact in a young man's life. Um, for, this for this reason, I remind you, we're in verse 6, to kindle afresh the gift that God give, has given to you through the laying on of my hands. Um, 
God has not given us a spirit of timidity or cowardice, but of power, love, and discipline. Um, or uh, another word for discipline would be sound judgment. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in the suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Um, and then he goes on and talks about, you know, God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and the grace which has been granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Okay, a couple of things I want to point out in just this little part here um, is this beautiful thing of uh, Tim- Timothy must have run a little bit towards anxious or timid. Um, in one part, he's told to drink a little wine for his stomach. Um, you know, he he is being encouraged not to let his youth um, intimidate, be intimidating for him, um, but to set an example for the others, you know, and so you can see just kind of a, a young man who's eager to please, but also struggles with some tim- timidity at times. Um, and so you got timid Timothy. <laughs> um, and so, you know, Paul is really encouraging him to recognize that God has given him power, love, and a sound mind or a, a sound judgment. Um, and so, you know, I think that's a good word for anyone who's struggling with anxiousness. But don't you just see like a father who's being very honest about a son's strengths and his weaknesses. Um, and there's, so there's a little bit of challenge in this, which is truly beautiful. Um, okay. And so Paul is literally inviting him to join him in suffering. I, You know, I think in the modern church, we're not talking about suffering like this. And I think we are going to be facing more and more of that as the the years come. And so I think we're going to need to be camping out in some of these later epistles like Peter and um, and first and second Timothy and some of these later ones where they were written to a church and individuals who were suffering under the intensity of rising persecution. Um, you know, later in Paul's life, we're dealing with Nero, who was honestly crazy. Um, and according to outside secular sources, outside of scripture, um, they confirm that even the the pagans like the non-christians started to feel sorry for christians because of how they were treated um because to sign up for this was like to sign up to be persecuted and mistreated um and so you had to be insane to do that <laughs> um for their minds you know and they couldn't see the truth of jesus christ in the gospel um and so obviously that would change when they grasped the gospel Um, But honestly, they would look at these believers and they would go, oh my goodness, would you guys just give it up already? This is, you know, they recognize that these people were being killed for the sake of one man's ego um, is kind of what one of the sources said that I found kind of interesting. Um, And so, you know, understand that the world was absolutely against them and we have not even begun to taste this yet. Um, And so they walked with boldness. Um, and Timothy does actually end up being killed, um, in Ephesus, uh, by, by exactly what Paul is going to be talking about here. Um, and so anyway, let's keep going. Um, all right, so we'll pick up in verse 12. Uh, for this reason, I suffer these things. I'm not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced 
that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. Um, And then he goes on and he says, retain this standard of sound words, which you've heard from me in the faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, the treasure that's been entrusted to you. Okay, now I want you to understand that you're going to hear a lot of this kind of wording throughout the book of 2 Timothy. And the reason is persecution is intense. And the first thing you want to do is you want to be comfortable. Um, and so you don't want to stand. Um, you don't want to hold fast. You don't want to, you know, you just want to give it up. <laughs> um, you just want to escape. That is a normal reaction. And so Paul is really encouraging them here. And this isn't just spiritual warfare. This was literal um, artisans within Ephesus that that were looking for something to be able to drag them in front of the proconsul, to be able to, you know, do something to get them in trouble. Um, they just wanted them gone because, remember, the Christianity had messed up their financial situation so bad. And when you tick off somebody like this, that grudge sits, um, and it doesn't go away. Uh, and so, you know, you had quite a bit of that at play in, in the city of Ephesus, actually. So guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, um, the treasure which has been entrusted to you. Uh, verse 15, you are aware of the fact of all who are in Asia turned away from me. And then he names two specific people, um, Philegius and uh, Hermogenes, maybe. I don't know. I might have butchered that. Um, so he's naming specific people. So understand that we're at the point in the early church where there's betrayal, there's people falling away, there's all kinds of things happening. Um, you've got Jews going back to Judaism rather than, than staying with Christ. You have the entire book of Hebrews that's written about this time period to encourage Jews to stay faithful to Christ because he is the better way. He is the high, great high priest. He is the better sacrifice. He is the better Moses. He is, and, and there's a whole bunch of things. Um, so you have that going on in Hebrews. Uh, and so you've got kind of a falling away happening in some ways. Um, and you've got profound persecution, but you also have a lot of betrayal happening. Um, verse 16 says, Lord grant mercy to the house of Oniferous, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he was in Rome, he eagerly searched me out and found me. The Lord grant to him mercy uh, from the Lord on that day. You know very well what services he rendered at, Af at Ephesus. And unfortunately, we don't know what services were rendered at Ephesus, but Timothy is very aware of that. Um, and so I want you, what I want you to understand is that Paul very clearly knew that in this life there was not going to be justice, but that on that day there was going to be a sense of mercy given and things were going to be made right and sacrifices and suffering endured was going to be honored in some form. Um, and so he clearly, for the second time now, has communicated that on that day, something is going to happen that makes 
that will compensate for this. Um, and, and having spent the last two years in Revelations, it makes a lot of sense knowing that Paul's mentioning this because in Revelations, there is a specific verses that talk about how um, everyone who's endured suffering before will are going to be avenged, that their death, their suffering is going to be avenged. Um, and so in, in part of Revelations is avenging the blood of the saints and the martyrs. Um, anyway, okay, so that's just like a sneak peek of how that kind of lines up. Okay, chapter 2. Uh, this is titled Be Strong in My Bible, um, but this is a call to remain faithful throughout this whole thing. Um, and I will tell you, chapter 2 has one of my favorite verses in it. But I'm going to start with verse 1, and then we'll focus on verse 2, which is my favorite. Uh, you, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, I'm going to point out something here that um, Paul had Barnabas pouring into him. So we've got Barnabas to Paul. You've got Paul pouring into Timothy. So right there, we've got Barnabas, Paul, Timothy. We've got three generations. And then Timothy is told to take what he's heard and entrust it to faithful men who will be able to teach others. So if you look at that, we have five generations. Isn't that beautiful? But that's what the our faith in Christ is supposed to be. You know, usually there's somebody who's poured into us or there's some way that we've come to an understanding of the gospel. Well, Paul would talk about that as receiving the gospels from somebody. You received the good news. Um, and so you would take what you've received and you would pass it on. That is the entire context of the of the New Testament church, was them passing on to others what had been entrusted to them. Um, and so we don't quite think of it that way. We you know, we go to church and we listen and, you know, the gospel is shared and we either accept it or we don't. And there's no idea of I'm receiving it and I'm supposed to pass it on. And so, you know, quite a few of us as believers, we don't know how to share the gospel. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest struggles that probably the church has is if someone said, well, how do I be saved? How many of us could actually answer that question? How many of us could actually explain the gospel to somebody else? What is the gospel? Um, and so the gospel simply is the fact that God loved us so much, John three sixteen, that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to live the Christian life and die for us because it's not about our righteousness. It's about we needed a better righteousness, that our righteousness was not sufficient to cover our sin. And so our sin needed paid for. And so Jesus, not having any sin of his own, laid down his life for us so that we might have the righteousness of Christ and have access to heaven. It's one of the great exchanges in in, in all time uh, in history um, where literally Jesus becomes our sacrifice, the permanent ultimate sacrifice that pays the price of our sin, which um, we know the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
you know, my, I guess my challenge in my own life at one point was if someone asked me why I would want what they, what, you know, why they would want what I've got, do I have a good answer? But then also, what would I say if they say, I, I want to follow Jesus? What is, how do I do that? Um, and I realized at one point that I didn't know how to explain salvation. I didn't know how to explain the gospel. Um, and so I personally made it my mission to figure out how to do it. What verses did I like to use um, for that? And so I found my own way that I was comfortable if somebody brought it up, what would I say? What would I use? What would I, how would I do it? Um, and it's actually kind of, uh, yeah, I'm kind of putting in my head that I may at some point do a retreat on how do we share the gospel? Um, how do we, how do we witness to others? Um, how do we pass on what we've got? Um, and so I'm not sure how many people would want to come to a retreat like that. But, you know, and back in the day, I think I would have enjoyed going to a tr- retreat where I felt like I would walk out with some skills on how to share Christ with someone. Um, and so how to share the hope that I had in Christ. Um, but, you know, understand that you got to have that hope in order to want to share it. Um, and so you have to understand what you've got. And I love a, a couple of verses back, Paul's sharing that he's persuaded um, that he knows whom he has believed, and he's convinced that he's able to guard what's been entrusted to him until that day. You know, that is a man who absolutely knows who saved him and what he's got, and he knows what he believes. Um, that is a man that is rock solid, that regardless of what life does, He's, he is confident in his walk with God and who God is. Um, and so, you know, I think that's something that we're lacking in the early church. You know, if our life gets rough or it doesn't look like what we think it should look like or what we're promised as Christians, our faith falls apart. We start questioning if God's big enough, if he's powerful enough, if he is who he says he is. And, you know, if you can live the life that Paul's lived and say with absolute certainty and confidence that I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. If you can say that after living Paul's life, facing your final hours under a crazy man like Nero, um, then, you know... (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I just, I take his example and I go, that's what I want. That's the faith I'm after. Um, And so in seeking the Lord and studying the word, my prayers have been, Lord, I want to have a faith that is that rock solid under as crazy a man as Nero. And shortly, actually, after the book of 2 Timothy, um, Paul loses his life to Nero. Um, He's killed uh, as part of Nero's crazy. Um, all right. So moving on, we've talked about how our faith is supposed to be passed on in chapter two. Um, and then Paul gives several examples of faithfulness or work ethic. Um, and he, he actually talks about, uh, a soldier in the dedication of a soldier's life. Um, he talks about an athlete and how hard an athlete works. And he talks about how hard a farmer works. Um, and so I, you know, there's some messages in the church that it's it's not about our works, and it's not, but it's about what Christ done. And because of what Christ done, we are to be hardworking in our faith, 
not to save us because that's been done already, but because we are to share the gospel that way with diligence. We're to study the word of God with diligence. We are to work hard and to to use everything that we've been given to really be fighting the Christian fight, um, to be passing on the faith. Um, okay, so that would be probably down to verse 7. Um, and then in verse 8, he says, Remember Christ Jesus, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, which I suffered hardship. And so he's kind of giving himself as an example here, even to the point of imprisonment as a criminal, but the word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen so that they may obtain the salvation, which is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. It is a trustworthy statement for if we died with him, we also live with him. And if we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And then in verse 14, he talks about us being an unashamed workman. Remind them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God, not to wrangle about words, which is useless and leads to ruin of the hearers. Now, let me tell you why he would be talking about wrangling with words um, and how it leads to the ruin of hearers. Back in um, when we talked about Corinth, we talked about people that um, part of their culture in the day was to have these Greek-trained orators that would get up and they would just wax long and eloquently on various different topics. And you would have patrons who would literally um, pay the person to speak. Um, And they would enjoy these speakers and and they would enjoy listening. Um, And so that is all over the world. That's not just in Corinth. Um, And so that would have been in Ephesus as well. And remember, Ephesus would have been a trade route that would have been connected into Corinth. Okay, and so that would have been connecting kind of the east from the west, that kind of thing. And so people from Ephesus would have traveled into Corinth, and Corinth people would have traveled to Ephesus and back and forth with trade. Okay, and so the world was very connected between these two cities. And so what you have in Corinth is also going to be present in other cities. Um, And so, you know, basically what he's saying here is don't wrangle about the words. But be diligent, in verse 15, to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Now, I want you to listen to the wrangling about words is repeated in a couple of other phrases. Verse 16, but avoid worldly or empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. Their talk will spread like gangrene. And if you bounce down to verse 23, it says, But refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of truth, that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. You know, one of the things as I was reading this is I just went, you know what, Lord, nothing is new. Under the sun, nothing is new under the sun. And I I just said, 
I, I just sat here and I thought, you know, in today's world, we as Christians are struggling with whether or not we're going to speak up. And it feels like there are so many people that are ready to, like, angrily attack us for having an opinion that is consistent with the Word of God. Well, in Paul's day and age, it wasn't much different. Um, that there were tons that were ready to produce quarrels. You know, they were ready to quarrel. And you have, I mean, him just very clearly saying, the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome. And so, in other words, we're not supposed to argue, but we're to be kind and we're to be ready to teach, able to teach, patient when we're wronged, and with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, that perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. And so are we supposed to speak up? Yes. Are we supposed to argue? No. Are we supposed to be kind as we do it? Absolutely. With gentleness. But we are to be ready with an answer for those that ask. Whether they ask for a good reason or not, that's on them. Um, but I thought this end of chapter 2 was very fitting advice for the culture that we live in. Um, chapter 3, I'm going to leave you guys to kind of discover some of that. But at the end of chapter 3, you have all scripture is inspired by God. It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Um, chapter 4, verse 2 says, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, correct, extort with great patience and instruction. And then if this does not describe this day and age, I'm not sure what does. It says in verse 3 of chapter 4, For a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in according with their own desires, and will turn away their ears from truth and will turn aside to myths. But you, being sober, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. I am already being poured out as a drink offering. This is Paul literally saying goodbye because he recognizes that he is done. His, his ministry is over. Um, he says, the time of my departure has come. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Make every effort to come. And then there's a whole lot of post-greeting things. Um, and then there's last admonitions. Um, verse 14, he says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm in Ephesus. Remember, he was the coppersmith. Um, you can go back to Acts and read about that. Um, that is actually stated some of the details in the book of Acts. Um, the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on guard against him yourself, for he vigorously opposes our teaching. At my first um, defense, no one supported me. All deserted me. May it not be counted against them. The Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that through me, the proclamation might be fully accomplished, that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he's got last-minute greetings. 
um, and then the plead for him to come in winter if he's still around. Um, and so these are Paul's very last words. These are the last things he left Timothy and the church with. Um, and so you can kind of see the heart of him throughout this whole thing. Hold fast. Be careful. Be on guard. Um, avoid these pitfalls. Um, be ready for this. Um, and so all of it is so that the gospel can pass on. Uh, and so that's that's ours. That's the message for us today. So uh, that is Second Timothy in one podcast. There you go. Uh, I will see you next time, and we will pick up in the book of Titus. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd love to hear from you, so find us on Facebook and Instagram at Open the Word Podcast or... Send us an email to openthewordpodcast at gmail.com. Is it time for you to plan a day trip with your peeps? Come and stay a while at Shia Market in Berlin. There is something for everyone, no matter what your taste or style may be. Visit the Village Gift Barn for your custom floral arrangements and timeless accessories for your home. Stroll upstairs to Shia's Style Boutique for your perfect outfit. Everything from accessories to shoes. Be inspired at country gatherings with decor from modern farmhouse to transitional design. Then meander through the gardens for a large selection of houseplants. And last but not least, order your perfect cup of brew at the Buggy Brew Coffee Company. End your day by gathering to relax in our courtyard. You will leave feeling connected and refreshed.